you have to remember that we're not robots, right? We're humans. Humans are building the tech sector. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy to go straight into the heart of the content. But we have to remember that we're humans. And what I've noticed during recent years, too, is that our hobbies and our outside interests are really what sustain us, right? So I think paying attention to the person you're with is is just as important as the technology because we want to see the best work. And I think if you're not feeling valued or if you're not feeling seen, it's hard to do your best work. Welcome to the Knowledge Base Ninjas podcast, where Gowri Ram Kumar of Document 360 finds the best SaaS self-service knowledge bases in the world, and then interviews their creators. Let's get started with today's episode. Good day, everyone. Our guest today is Tina Klein-Walsh, Senior Manager at BlackBerry QNX Software Systems, Welcome, Tina, to the Knowledge Base Ninjas podcast. How are you doing today? I'm great. It is so nice to be here, Gauri. Thanks for having me. Fantastic, Tina. So please help us understand a little bit more about yourself and also how did you initially got into documentation? Okay, so I, I've been in the field for a very long time. And I started as a, a student in mathematics and engineering. It was a joint program. But by the end of my education, I was, I took a few different turns along the way. So I didn't finish that up. I finished a math degree and an arts degree, but I ended up working as a programmer during that time. And I got a lot of compliments on my comments. My comments were always very detailed in my code. And then towards the end of my education, I was picked up to teach C programming. Um, There was an emerging need. This was a really long time ago. It was in the eighties. So not a lot of people knew about it. And um, then the, the training course needed better documentation. And then I just got pulled in as a writer and really never looked back. Um, it was a, a slow trip into management where I am now, but um, it was good comments in my code that opened the door for me. Great. So Tina, you did mention that uh, you got into documentation a long time ago. I would like to insist on that point. So you have more than 35 years of experience in documentation and tech industry. Yeah, that's my collective experience going right back, yeah. (laughs) How has the profession and field changed since you first began? I love this question. I mentor a lot of students in my current role. And also I have a lot of people retiring from my team. So I'm facing the contrast every day. I think someone coming forward now needs to be much better grounded in technology than was possible when I started. When I started, you really had to hit the technology with a very open mind and, um, you know, learn from people around you. But but now I think you can come in with a bit of a grounding. And then conversely, when I started, I found in general, there was more attention paid in education to the writing and the words and the language, right? And and now it's, it's so much more important to have the content uh, accurate and the right technology that we're willing to sort of buffer a bit to get the the right words. So um, that's the kind of thing that there's more grace for than there used to be, um, Mm -hmm. especially where I I work now. 
Fantastic. And another point I would like to understand from you is on your LinkedIn, LinkedIn you say that uh, you are equally good with technology and people. Uh, one, what I want to understand is how important is having both of these skills for managing technical writers and documentation? I think both are critical. I think when I bring someone new into the team, or even when I when I work with other members in the company, you have to remember that we're not robots, right? We're humans. Humans are building the tech sector. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy to go straight into the heart of the content. But we have to remember that we're humans. And, and what I've noticed during um, recent years, too, is that our, our hobbies and our outside interests are really what sustain us, right? Um, so I think paying attention to the person you're with is is just as important as the technology because we want to see the best um, work. And I think if you're not feeling valued or if you're not feeling seen, it's hard to do your best work. That's absolutely right, Tina. And also just touch, uh, coming back to your educational background a little bit, because we could see that you have bachelor's degree in both arts and maths, uh, which are two different disciplines, um, according to my understanding. Um, so how has this helped or been beneficial to you uh, in, in your career as documenta- documentation? So the math degree has been really a critical thing. I did a lot of writing uh, at the peak of my career in security and cryptography mm-hmm. and having a fundamental understanding of the math that was beneath it um, really helped to build my credibility with the people I had to talk to. And it really helped me uh, look for the right questions. You know, what what does someone interacting it with it need to know um, when I went on to the, the degree in, in, it's more of a liberal arts degree, I took a lot of courses in art history and some in communication. And what I found early in my writing career is that this idea of being able to look at a painting and see how all the components of the painting contribute to the greater good, it, that, that was a skill that mapped directly into documenting a user interface, right? It, it was surprising how how clear that line was to me. And then the communications courses, I didn't really think a lot about that. But um, I would say three or four years ago, I read a book by Steve Martin that talked about the importance of of improvisation in, in scientific and technical communication. And then I really got back to my communications courses and I started taking them as a hobby. And, uh, and that took me to a very unexpected place. And that was, I became a stand-up comic for a while. And I was on stage at Yuck Yucks before the pandemic started. Yes. But uh, okay. <laughs> that that's very, very helpful as management. <laughs> it's an engineering role. Like you would not even imagine how helpful that is because yeah. we're funny. We're all funny. We're very funny people, right? <laughs> nice. So I think that's brilliant to hear uh, different dynamics of yours coming out, uh, Tina. Um, let's talk a little bit about your current uh, role. So what's your documentation process at BlackBerry QNX and who is normally involved in such processes? Okay, so I'd be happy to talk to that. So BlackBerry is the parent company and there are lots of little documentation pockets within the company. And I noticed you interviewed Marco at one of our other teams. So I was really glad to see that. Um, But within my team, we're responsible for um, a lot of reference documentation, API documentation. So the QNIX toolkits are used by engineers building building tools for other engineers. So 
uh, it, it's kind of you're you're built you're sort of built in as a subject matter expert because we're engineers writing for engineers a lot of the time. But this technology, um, we often start with. Um, sometimes there are notes on wiki pages, but we often start by talking to people, interviewing engineers who are building new features, and. Once we have a draft in place, we have what we call a review board, which is, um, I think it's pretty standard in the industry to put your changes up for review. And then it gives anyone who's interested a chance to give you critical feedback on your content. And um, typically we need at least one go ahead, what we call a ship it, from, from the engineer who's responsible for the new technology. But, but usually you get three or four voices weighing in on how you could improve the content. So the review is probably the most important part of our, of our process. And then we have a verification step that just, just confirms that the change got to where it needed to be so it could be released. But um, this, this review is probably the heart of it. Great. And uh, a little bit about your documentation workflow, the entire um, flow of where it starts and uh, uh, before it goes to public. Um, oh, sure. So so we start we start in XML files. We write in XML and then we have a sort of a homegrown uh, documentation tool chain that's um, it's oxygen. And we use Dita. That's where we're a Dita shop, but we use an old Dita. And then we um, we take an ant command and we run some transforms so that we get PDF files, we get HTML files, which um, get distributed through our website as web help. And then we also get Eclipse plugins because um, we deliver an Eclipse-like um, IDE for our developers. So we have three formats that come out of the XML files. And so we are still adhering to... Um, projects and project dates so we have a release cycle and we work with a release manager and a project manager to get our changes to the outside world but one thing that i really like that happened where we are is our our bread and butter uh, product which is the software development platform it's broken up into a number of components and when they introduced a software center for automatic patch releases, they decided that documentation would be a software component. So I'm allowed to trigger a release of just documentation when I feel it merits it. So I don't necessarily have to couple with software. So if there are enough defects that have come in or if there, we have, we want to introduce some, some new samples or something, I can, I can call up a project manager and trigger a release of new content. So mm -hmm. I find I call this docs as software. It's not docs as code. Uh, but I spoke about it one time at our local Write the Docs chapter. And uh, to have this power to trigger a release uh, is a wonderful thing. And our, our product managers have referred to our documentation as a key differentiator when they sell our product. That's very true, uh, Tina. And uh, yeah, you, uh, uh, these days, equal importance is given to documentation, just like development and the QA uh, processes. Absolutely true. Yeah, it's a real partnership, these three. And I find more and more too, like project managers have a hand, like they're a fourth hand. And then product managers really drive, right? They, they're the source of our requirements. Um, so it's it's a big I like geometry, so it's not a triangle anymore. But um, I still read math. I like I like geometry. Okay, sorry, that's a way off topic from your question. <laughs> sorry, uh, thinking about geometry. Sorry. Okay. Yep. And also, I know that uh, you you like to gain insight into the future via tarot and readings. So, what do you predict for the future of documentation and technical writers' career path? 
So we're going through a fascinating period in history right now because we have we have the great resignation happening, right? Where we're seeing Gen X and boomers leaving the workforce in droves. And I believe this is opening the door for young people and new writers. And I believe that next year we're looking at, uh, you know, the, the, the year 2000 babies are going to hit the workforce when the door is swinging wide open for them. I'm very excited about this. I, I have a child this age, but I'm very excited about it. I think the energy that this group brings, you know, they were born into a world where the internet was just getting turned on. So I think, I think right now, what we're going to see is a lot of pairing of old and new, right? There's really, there's no middle ground. There are people leaving or people arriving and there's not a whole lot in between. So I think the opportunity to coach and mentor and to learn is is phenomenal for everybody. Like I'm going to learn so much from the students coming in. <laughs> really nice to see the um, positive aspect of uh, the current situation, Tina. So, uh, and a uh, little bit on your reportings, of uh, for the oh, documentation sure. sure so i i'm an engineering manager that's my role and i report to um well i was reporting to the vp of engineering but he's he's moved on so now i'm reporting to a i think a director they made three directors out of one because the other guy was pretty powerful so so i'm a senior manager in a management chain but my peers are managers of engineering and i go to a weekly engineering managers meeting and to have this value as a peer has removed a lot of obstacles that technical writing teams often face because our needs are equally valued and mm-hmm. they're treated with with great dignity and respect. And, and also I can I get a real sense of of the struggles that other teams are looking at, right? Like even if, should, should we use SBN? Should we use GitLab? What should we do? How should we proceed? What are the impacts, right? So I, I get in those conversations right at the beginning and I love that. It's so nice. <laughs> very true, very true, Tina. And again, just coming back to your vast experience in this field, in your opinion, what has been the most important innovation when it comes to document tracking? Oh, that is such a good question. That is such a good question. I think when I worked around Y2K, there was a huge shift going on then. And I remember the budget, the paper budget for documentation being in the millions of dollars, right? Because we had to... Pr- we had to produce five manuals. They were for the installers. They were for the, you know, the field engineers. They were for the system integrators. And the paper cost was was phenomenal. It was a huge budget item. And the shift to online documentation, I think, was the biggest innovation I saw because it brought costs way down. It let you spend money differently. And it also let you keep things fresh if you wanted to do that, right? It, it, it removed a tremendous hurdle mm-hmm. to getting content to people who needed it true um one thing i forgot to um understand is is your documentation all fully publicly available or is it um only for your customers who need to log in and access it that's a super question so there's some of both so for our what we call our web help you can get into that and look at all our exciting um C functions and uh, utilities and things so that's that's open but we also have what we call entitlements so you could get at the PDF with an entitlement, but you could get at the web help for most things, but you can't. We also have functional safety documentation, which is not my team, and, and that's locked down to people who pay for it. But um, for the software development platform that I work with, that's the main thing. It's open. You can see it. Great. So in that, in that case, are you aware of any organic search traffic being generated from your knowledge base by the marketing department? Yeah, so that's that's the biggest question of the year. So because we were 
we report into BlackBerry, and recently we were all consolidated into one big company, but we still think it's a different company. So our marketing department is separate from theirs, and they have the technology and we don't. So I've got someone in my team right now building bridges and trying to get that information. But it's not just a matter of picking up the phone. You really have to build relationships to get it. Mm-hmm. So. I've been trying for years. And now that we're one big entity, we're seeing less resistance to getting the information we need. But um, the biggest uh, comment, so I'm going to turn your question around a bit. The biggest comment we get on our website is people cannot find, or sorry, our content, not our website. People cannot find what they're looking for. And I believe at at cunix.com, they actually shut down the search and they just limit it to BlackBerry, but we're trying to get it turned back on. But um, we really don't know. We don't know what people are looking for. I mean, we can we can make assumptions because we're engineers writing for engineers, but we don't have this information. And I think it would be super helpful in deciding where to put more examples for people building things. And I think it would be super helpful um, for deciding what to maintain, right? Things that are a bit dated, but where do we apply our energy? Because our team is shrinking. We've lost over half our team to retirements and um, you can't build up that quickly. So... Um, I think it would be really powerful to have that information. Nice. So uh, with this, um, I'm done with all my general questions. So are you good to start with the rapid fire round? Sure. Great. Who have you learned the most about documentation from in your career, Tina? Okay. So this is, I thought about this a lot because it goes back and forth between young people and old people, right? So the top three names that come to mind are people who have all retired. And I'm going to start with Mark Baker because I believe he's the most well-known in our profession. And I worked with Mark when I was at Wind River over 10 years ago, and he was building up his every page is page one philosophy and tool set. And he's he's a writer now. He's writing fiction, I think, or historical fiction. But he was a very uh, big force in our industry that really changed how we think about documentation. So I'm going to start with him. I think um, one of the things he and I figured out together, we, we both hopped onto Twitter at the same time. And when I was managing him, um, he was really frustrated um, because he wasn't it was, didn't have the audience for his ideas. And I just said, look, they're not here, right? They're in the outside world. We have to go find you. And he was already doing conferences and saying, I said, but your peers aren't here. They're elsewhere. We just have to find them. And so I helped him see where those connections could be made. I didn't do it for him. I mean, he's a really, uh, he's a phenomenal person. But I would say just his approach to it, right? And, and he's a very light touch on Twitter. But when he speaks, you want to listen to what he's saying, right? Because he's got insight and wisdom that uh, that's rare. It's really rare because he's got the technical side of it. And also he's got a good grasp on the power of language, right? So I would say he was very important to me um, working with him. And um, I, I saw him once after he retired. He came up and we had lunch or something. It was really nice. Yeah. And then I, I could give you two other names of people that have retired, but I, I think I want to stop there. But I will say that some of the junior people that have come through my team, we have a lot of co-op students come through and I've been deeply affected by their presence, right? And and what they're bringing, the energy they bring into the world. Yeah. Yes. So thank you to everybody uh, who helped Tina uh, to where she is right now. <laughs> Great. Can you share a documentation-related resource you have consumed recently? Yeah, there's a blog by D.D. Beck, and everything that man posts resonates with me. Um, I think he's over in England somewhere. I'm not entirely sure, and I think he recently changed jobs and maybe moved continents, so I don't know. But his blog posts are right on, on the money 
with where my thoughts and concerns are. So I'm going to share that one. Super, thank you. So can you just uh, mention the resource one more time, Tina? I believe it. Let me just, I believe it's ddback.com or something like that. Let me just see if I can call it up. Yeah, Daniel Dback, and it is ddback.com. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. My last question to you today is, what is that one piece of documentation related advice you would give to your 20-year-old self? Ask your questions. <laughs> I'm very curious, but <laughs> ask your, I, held back, I held back so many questions. I mean, there's a time and a place, right? And I think like I w- it wasn't until I was 50 that I became aware that I have Asperger's syndrome, right? So that that kind of gives me a lens that maybe not everyone has, but it's pretty popular in tech. But ask your questions. That is that is the advice I have. Don't hold back. Learn. Find out. You know, if you want to know, just don't hold back on the questions. Be curious. <laughs> yeah. People love to tell you what they're building, right? And also it's so interesting. You know, you you find out all kinds of things that you might not otherwise learn. Because we 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 write the documentation before there is documentation, right? So we're learning from people, not books. Yeah. And and just ask your questions. So, Absolutely true. So thank you, Tina, for sharing your unique experience and amazing journey. 35 years plus is not an easy, easy uh, thing to do. And uh, again, as uh, as always, you've given us quite a lot to take away and uh, think about. So appreciate all the time you've spent with us today in this podcast. And uh, anything that I missed to ask you today, please feel free to add. I just want to thank you for for sparking my joy here. This has really been great, Gary. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Tina. Have a good day. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Knowledge Base Ninjas podcast. Please head to iTunes, rate, and provide honest feedback on the podcast. See you next week.